0: Hey, happy new year. Merry 2016. Oh, it is so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Scottsdale Santan. Happy new year. We did it. Woo. It's 2016. If you're watching five o'clock tonight, we did it. Are y'all as disappointed with 2016 as I am? We're like four days in. What are we? Five days in three. I don't even know what day it is. I'm already disappointed in the year. I really thought we'd have hover cars. This is 2016. We don't have like robot butlers. We None of the stuff they promised us. Like all the cool things that 2015 Jetsons, like you walk into a tube and it sucks you in and then shoots you out at work. I still got to get dressed all out by myself. Like, come on, it's 2016. Really, this is it? I I don't know what your 15s was like. Now, some of you, I get it. Some of you guys, y'all finished 2015 like with a mic drop. Like 2015 went out, you were like, that's right, sucker, boom all day long like the fat kid at the buffet i'm all day and they're like man 2015 was it you were solid man 2015 you were rolling it was great some of you though 2015 dude it was rough about seven o'clock on december 31st you're shutting it down you're like you know what forget this i'm going to bed now because 2015 can't end fast enough we, we got to get out. I, I don't know what your 15 was like. I know that some of you had great years and you're like, man, I, I don't know if I had the energy to do that again. If, if 16 is as good as 15, I got to get in shape. Um, I, I got to do something. Some of you, man, I just, I, I got to get through this. If, if 16 is like 15, I don't even know if I want to wake up because, man, 15 was rough. I, I know this. I know that if whether you you had a really good year, or maybe you had a really bad year, or maybe you just had a year, wherever we're at, I I know this without any doubt in my mind, and this is true for all of us, this is true in Scottsdale, it's true in Santan, it's true in in any part of the world, for this year to, to be drastically different, something has to happen. Something has to take place for this year to be different, man. To take this, this year off the chart, man. For this year to just be incredible, something has to happen. And it's different for all of us. Something has to happen different for you than for you. And something has to happen different for you than for me. But for this year to just go crazy, something has to happen. And, and that something could be several different things. It could be maybe... Maybe an, a, a habit that we, we've got to stop. If we just stopped this, if this was our something, man, if we just stopped doing this, 2015 would be incredible. If we just got a hold of this in our life, man, this is kind of out of control. But if we just got a hold of this, if we just did this differently, this is that something that would drastically change everything. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's how much time we spend with our family. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances, man. Maybe it's, it's, it's kids. Maybe it's whatever that is. If something happened here... Maybe it's a habit we don't have yet. Maybe that's what we need to happen. Maybe we're not doing something. And if we just did this something, things would be so different in 2016. This would be the greatest year ever. I I don't know what your something is. And honestly, as I started like preparing for this, my something was like a phone book. Like I started just planning through stuff going, holy cow, I got a lot to do. I'm going to need like four years wrapped into one to even get a handle on some of this. My something, it's, it's different than yours. But I, I, I know this, I know that there's a story in the Old Testament that walks us through something. Because one of the things that keeps us from getting whatever that something is, is distractions. And, and distractions are those little things that keep us from getting where we're trying to go. And, and they, they can be really subtle. And, and men, we know this, on, on road trips, distractions are bathroom breaks. And ladies, you don't know this because you're, you're wired so different than us. Men, and help me with this, men, when when we plan on going from here to here, and it doesn't matter where here is or where here is, all we know is when we plan that out and we map quest it and we've got all the, the charts and the stars lined up to make sure that we can get from here to here, the plan is not to get from here to here safely, it's to get from here to here faster than any human possibly has ever done before. And if, if we can somehow get from here to here faster than any other human, we've accomplished the, the greatest goal in life and we can get there and we can be like, I'm done. And we can sit down and we can relax. The thing that kills that trip, dad, I got to go to the bathroom. Cause what happens? You stop and then you're there for like six hours and the trip is just stretched out and it's horrible. My kids, they hate road tripping with me because I, I grew up in a time when my dad, he was like, Hey Tim, go to the bathroom. Cause we're going to be in the car and you didn't stop until you could stop for gas and then when you were finished getting gas, you had better be in the car because it was moving. And if you were still, if you were still in the can, you're left in El, El Paso or something. And you're like, how do I get home? Don't care. You should have gone before you left. And that was my dad's. So that's my kids, man. If I ever get like a Prius or something where I can get like 800 miles to the tank, my kids are going to hurt. <laughs> They're going to hate life. Because right now we road trip and I'm like, all right, we're going. And they know, man, they get, because when we get in the car, we're not stopping unless, the, unless it's on empty we're, we're rolling because, man, you, you got to get there. And those distractions, they come in and they, they pull at you. And, and they're subtle and they're not necessarily all bad. I mean, some distractions are good. Uh, I got to see it the other day, driving, trying to get back home. I don't know what it is still, but it was a gas station and it had a big sign. So we stopped and it was a distraction that added probably 45 minutes to my time of, of travel. But it, they're not all bad. I know that There's a story. In the book of Nehemiah, so man, if you've got if you've got your Bible this morning, go with me to Nehemiah. We're, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter six. There's a story of this guy, and and he does something incredible. He, he does something that, that's so amazing. I know he was distracted in the process. I know that that took place. And, and through this process of, of Nehemiah and through his story, I think that there, there's two huge things that if we would pull out of his life, it would help with not only the distractions in our life, but it would help us push for that something, whatever that something is. If we could grab hold of whatever these two things are, and we could actually make them a permanent part of what we do on a regular basis, I honestly think that this story and what Nehemiah does could be so profound that whatever your something is, and, and honestly, listen to me, this is for you even if you don't believe in Jesus and you're only here because somebody made you or it was a New Year's resolution. This is still something that's going to help you in life. These two things are, are powerful, and, and they're, they're, they're crazy, we're jumping into a story that started about 444 B.C. So in 444 B.C., you've got an emperor at the time named Artaxerxes I. And Artaxerxes I is pretty much the man. He, he's pretty much in power of everything that, that's known to be at the time. And he's got a guy working for him named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah works for Artaxerxes I as a cupbearer. And if you don't know what that is, that's because we don't have many of them today. The cupbearer is the guy who would take the, the wine and the food that was going to go to the king and he would test it first to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. It's the worst job in the world. He's taking in food, and I, I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he's like got a donut and he takes a bite. If he dies, the king's like, Well, I guess we won't eat it. And then he gets something else. I, I don't know. I don't know if Nehemiah was like a Mr. Wizard where he could pull out the wine and, and look it up and put chemicals in it and be like, no, nope, this wine's safe. And then he could hand it to him. I, I don't know. All I know is this. I know that Nehemiah and King Artaxerxes I had a really good relationship. They were close friends. And because of Nehemiah's work ethic, because God was so powerful in his life, him and the king, they they were friends. And I know that because Nehemiah does something that slaves would never, ever do. He prays this incredibly huge prayer because Nehemiah is a Jew. And about a hundred years ago, Nehemiah's homeland was attacked. So before Nehemiah was born, another king named Nebuchadnezzar goes into Jerusalem and just wrecks shop. Man, he goes in and kicks down doors, destroys the temple, tears down the walls, and anybody that's walking or that's moving, he grabs them and takes them back as slaves back to Persia, back to Babylonia, and 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 takes them back. So a hundred years ago, th- this is where, for those of you, who may you're in your word a little bit, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, this is where these guys were taken back, was about a hundred years ago. If you're Vegetail theologians, this was Rakshak and Benny from The Bunny. Remember? <laughs> the bunny, the bunny, oh, I love the bunny. That's the story. They're taken back, and a hundred years have passed. So right now, you've got a group of people living in a city that most likely... Have never been in that city when it was fortified, when it was flourishing and the walls were up and they got to see this, this beautiful city of Jerusalem in full force. You've got a guy named Nehemiah who's hundreds and hundreds of miles away who wants to get home and he's never seen the city. He's only heard about it from relatives that were most likely captured with him. And he gets this dream, man, I want to go back and I want, I, I want to rebuild Jerusalem. So he goes, he, he prays like a madman and he goes to Artaxerxes the first. And he asks him, he's like, Hey King, what do you think about this? Dude, I've been praying about it. I think, I think you should let me and a whole bunch of our people go back home and rebuild the city slaves don't get days off. So this isn't a normal request. This isn't like the King's looking at him going, well, you've got four weeks of sick leave. So if you take that, it's not that type of ordeal that the slaves don't get vacation days. But because of Nehemiah's reputation, because of his relationship with Artaxerxes I, because of who he was as a person, not only does the king look at him and say, hey, yeah, we can do that. He also says, hey, Nehemiah, you know what? We're going to do it even better than that. You can go back and rebuild Jerusalem. I'm going to fund it for you. I'm going to help you have every supply you need to rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. Not only that, I'm going to send my cavalry with you to protect you on the journey so that you're safe until you get there. So Nehemiah, man, gathers everything up and he gathers some of his people and they go back to Jerusalem and then they start, they start to, to rebuild this city. So Nehemiah rolls into Jerusalem and, and he walks around the city looking to see what has to be done. And it takes him a full day and night and, and he looks and as he goes, he notices that the walls are just in ruins. And because Nehemiah is an intelligent man, he knows that the only way that this is going to work is if Jerusalem can be fortified. Because right now you have pockets of people living in the city that used to be Jerusalem and they're, they're terrified, because warlords live around the area and they're coming through and they're basically making it like a circle K. They're coming in and just taking whatever they want and just destroying anybody that gets in their way. So there's nothing in Jerusalem that can stay in Jerusalem because there's no way of protecting it. There's no commerce. There's no sense of pride. There's, there's nothing. So Nehemiah looks at this and he, and he knows, man, for this to work, we've got to rebuild the walls. So he calls out to everybody. Everybody. He he does what what Pastor Lynn did with the purple chair thing. Man, he sends this out to everybody. This is an all-hands-on-deck type deal. This is everybody who is in earshot of me. Grab some stones, grab a tool. Man, we're going to go out and we're going to rebuild the wall. So you've got men, women, children, everybody and anybody and their dog on this wall trying to rebuild it. And it slowly starts to get better. And the wall slowly starts to go up. And the wall slowly starts to come up. And Jerusalem slowly starts to get fortified. And the people living around Jerusalem, one of them is named Sanballat which if you're pregnant, don't name your kid that. That's not only going to make like 2016 bad, but like 2026, it's going to be horrible for your son. So don't do not do that. But this dude's name is Sam Ball. He's one of the governors, one of the warlords that, that's living around the area. He starts to see the walls go up. And as the walls get higher, he starts to realize that his chance of taking whatever he wants begins to get lower. And, and he realizes that, man, if Jerusalem gets fortified, they can protect themselves from people like us. We can't have that. So he's a smart man. So what Sanballat does is he starts to send spies into Jerusalem to see where they're at and to start bickering with people trying to get them to stop because if he can get the people to stop working then the the wall doesn't get finished and they can come down but nehemiah is a great leader man he keeps the people on it so these people start working so Sam Ballack kicks it up a notch now he starts to spin in like like raiding parties that come in and they're attacking people who are building the wall and it gets so bad that the bible tells us that nehemiah is encouraging his people to work and so you've got a guy working on the wall right here and you've got another guy standing over here with the sword and the spear to protect him And it gets so bad that now you've got this guy working. And in this hand, he's got a tool to repair the wall. And in this hand, he's got a spear. So if he gets attacked, he can defend himself. But no matter what, the work on the wall never stops. And now they're at a point, which is where we're at in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. They're at a point in the the building of the wall that everything is finished. There's no more gaps in the wall. The walls of Jerusalem are finally put up. Everything is ready. Everything is, is, is set except for the gates. Everything is set in Jerusalem except for the city gates. And that's where the story picks up in Nehemiah 6.1. So start with me there. It says this. It says, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, the the Arab, and Tobiah and Geshem were other friends of Sanballat that were also kind of evil warlords in the area that were, were taken from anybody around them. When word gets to them and the rest of their enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time, I had not set the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And, and this is this is huge. Sanballat and Geshem have done nothing but hurt Nehemiah this entire time. And now out of the blue, they're sending him this, this invitation. And this isn't like to a card game. This isn't to go, hey, meet me and let's play Uno. This is meet me at the plains of Ono, which is about 25 miles northwest of where Jerusalem was. It's just far enough outside of the city gates that if if Nehemiah stops what he's doing and he goes out there, it's just far enough that by the time help gets there, it's going to be too late. Sambal and Geshem are trying to get Nehemiah to stop what he's doing because Sambal is smart. He realizes that I can't stop them from making this wall. Maybe if I kill the guy that's leading them. It's that old, you know, you cut the head off the snake and the snake dies. So he sends word to Nehemiah, man, hey, meet me in the plains of Uno. There's a new Star Wars movie. We we could watch we could watch a movie. There's a great Starbucks out there, dude. We could meet for a latte. We could have coffee. We could sit back. Let's talk. How are your kids? And, and let us have a moment, dude. The greatest Chinese food is right at the Plains of Ona. Let's go out there. We we could sit back. We could have some hibachi, and it, it would be incredible. Nehemiah knows it's a trap. The end of verse two says, but they were scheming to harm me. Verse three is one of the two things that we've got to adopt in our life. And and listen to what Nehemiah says. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. I'm carrying on a great project and I can't go down. I'm doing a great work and I can't stop. I don't know what your something was for this year. I don't know if you had a great year and your something is, man, I don't know if I have the energy or the stamina to make it through 2016. Maybe it was, I I just, I don't know if I can make it through, if 16 is like 15, I I can't do it. (laughs) Man, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's family. Maybe if you would spend more time with your family in 2016, maybe that's the something that drastically changes the landscape of your world. You realize that that's the work. Whatever that something is, that's the thing that if you, if you attacked that with the mentality of, I can't stop doing this, how can I come down because I'm doing a great work here? I can't come down and stop this because I'm doing a great work. Maybe it's, maybe it's a habit that you don't have yet. Maybe for 2016, for your world to be better is spending time here. And maybe if we attacked this word with the mindset of, I can't stop because I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And when Netflix tried to interfere with that, And the new series of Walking Dead was suddenly out and we had to catch up because we have to see who's alive and who's not. And if we don't, everybody will spoil it and and it'll ruin it on Facebook and I'll give up social media and then everybody will think I'm weird and and we we can't do that. If maybe whatever that is, we would look at it with this mentality of, I I don't care what you are, I can't stop that for you. I can't stop this because I'm doing a great work. I can't stop and come down. Nehemiah goes on in the end of verse three and, and he says, why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? You get if we brought this mentality into 2016, it would drastically change the landscape of everything around us. Parents, if you attacked your children with this mindset of, I can't stop spending time with you because I can't stop this great work, regardless of what the distractions were, it would it would change your families. If we could take some of our habits, maybe some of our bad habits that we know we shouldn't be doing, maybe we drink too much. You know how you know if you, if you do? You have friends that say, hey, you drink too much. That's a good, that's a good marker. <laughs> that, that tells you something. And I'm, Please hear me. I'm not saying that that is, is wrong. I'm, I'm saying anything that, that takes, that has control of your life, you need to look at with the mentality of, I'm not coming off the wall for you anymore. I'm not coming down because I'm doing a great work and I'm not going to stop for you anymore. I'm not gonna step down and I'm not gonna take away time that I know is gonna help me for you anymore. How can I stop doing a great work? How can I come down? And I love that mindset. Maybe it's debt. Maybe we live outside of our means. And trust me, I get it. Man, I'm I'm a gadget guy. Man, I I want the new iPhone 20 that's coming out this year that's gonna probably drive me to work. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be awesome. It's probably gonna be like this big And a watch, and and I get that, but I want it because everybody else is going to have it, and I I want it. And it's outside of my means. And maybe if I looked at my budget, if I set my checkbook down, or my credit cards down, or my wallet down, and I said, you know what, you aren't going to control me anymore because I'm not going to stop this great work that God is doing in my life, so I can be distracted by you anymore. Maybe that's the something that would change 2016. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's friends. Maybe, I don't know what your something is. I know that there's distractions, though, that are looking at our lives right now. Because if they can distract us, if the sand in our life can come in and can distract us and can pull us away from the good work that God's doing, we don't get to see what God's doing. And Nehemiah knew this. So he's looking at this distraction. He's looking at Samballot saying, dude, there's no way I can stop my work for you. I can't come down because I'm doing a great work. Look in verse four. Verse four says, four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time Samballot sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. And, And this is huge. The letter's unsealed because everybody then that the letter was passed to had a chance to read it. So let let that sink in with what we're about to read about Nehemiah. Everybody is hearing this about Nehemiah. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. You you see what he's doing. Samballot and, and Geshem now, is they're, they're defaming Nehemiah's character. They're, they're slandering his name. They're, they're going out to people and they're getting everybody that will listen to hear this story that, man, Nehemiah's coming in and he's defying the king. He's going against the king. He's trying to rebuild Jerusalem so he can be the king. And they're making up lies about him. They're saying that Nehemiah is getting prophets now that are gonna go out and they're gonna proclaim him and prophesy him as the king of Jerusalem. You get... That when we get this mentality of I'm not coming down, I'm doing a great work, I'm not coming down off the wall, people around us are going to talk about you, and it's probably not going to be nice. Students, you get whenever you stop doing the things that are keeping you from graduating with, with what you need to graduate with, the things that are, are pulling you away from that. You're going to get a lot of what you're too good for us now. You hung out with us last year and didn't seem to have a problem. Oh, you're, you're, you're that person. Oh, you're the churchy person. And, and they're going to have all sorts of really fun, probably a little more creative things than that to say towards you. And they're going to try to slander you and they're going to try to remind you of times that you took a break from the wall and you came down. And they're going to do everything they can possibly to get your mind off of the work because if they can distract you, they know that a distraction bleeds into something huge. And sometimes the best strategy is just to not stop. And they know that. And the more we push to work and to continue to stay on the wall, the more voices are going to be around us, and the more naysayers are going to come up, and the more chirping is going to be in our ears, and the more nonsense is going to be everywhere. And sometimes maybe the the best thing to do is just to say no to some people. Nehemiah knew this and and I love his response they they get Nehemiah thinking man and you you can't help but think Nehemiah's at least playing this in the back of his mind what if this really does happen what if the king thinks I'm coming man is he going to send an army and kill me but Nehemiah's response is awesome verse 8 I sent him back this reply nothing like what you're saying is happening you're just making it up out of your head Uh, I love this Nehemiah gets this letter he lets the people talk and he's like y'all are idiots you're just pulling this out of your head none of this is happening None of this is true. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you're telling people about me because I not only know what's true, I know also that I'm doing a great work and I can't come down for you. I can't stop what God is doing. I can't stop this great work. I can't stop now. I've got to keep doing this. I can't come down for you. And I don't care what you make up and say about me. As I'm studying this, this is the part of the story where I got like super overwhelmed. Because again, I don't, I don't know what your something is. And I don't say this as a joke or trying to be humble or anything. I just know that I'm screwed up. And when I'm looking at my somethings, it's, it's a phone book. And I'm trying to figure out how do I tackle this in this year? How do I stop this habit? How do I get out of this? How do I not do this? How do I spend more time with my kids? Because I get that weird cycle of I've got to work. I've got to do extra jobs to help pay the bills. I've got to do these extra things. But at the same time, I'm supposed to be a dad and I'm supposed to be a husband. I'm supposed to be a father. I'm supposed to be all these things. How do I do all of that? And I begin to get overwhelmed because if this is really true, I've got to look at some of these things and say, hey, I can't stop for you because I'm doing a great work and I can't come down off this wall. I can't stop for my kids. They need me. I'm doing a great work. And this is a part of the story as I was reading it that I begin to get super, super overwhelmed. Luckily, Nehemiah doesn't stop writing there. He goes on and writes this in verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. You, you get that that's the point of the distraction. They're not, they're not accidents. All the distractions that are trying to pull us away from the great work that God is doing, you get that those aren't coincidences. Those are all things that are put in place to do just exactly this. They're trying to make our hands weak to get us to stop doing what we're doing. They're trying to make our mind weak so that we can stop doing this great work that God is doing through us so that we'll come down off the wall and it won't be finished. So Nehemiah does something crazy that that shows his character. This is the second thing. So the first thing that we've got to do to make 2016 something, we've got to attack 2016 with this mindset of, I'm doing a great work. I can't stop for whatever you are. I'm not going to come down for you because I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming off the wall. We have to adopt that into our life. That has to be a part of who we are. And when we get tired and when we get burdened and when we feel like all the weight of the world is pushing on us and how can we possibly do that because that doesn't honestly make sense. There's no way that that's even realistic. How do we do that? We we do what Nehemiah does next, the end of verse nine. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. How how many of us do this? We we get to that spot, we try really hard and, and things don't go the way that we think they should and things get tough and the world comes in around us and instead of praying for God to give us strength, what do we pray for? A miracle. God, show up, man. Do something crazy. Do something awesome. God, deliver me from this. And we use churchy words like, God, put a hedge of protection around me. And I'm not saying that's bad. Don't pray for a hedge. Pray for a tank. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying we, we, we put churchy spins on it. God, remove me from this. Man, God, if you would take me out of this situation, things would be so much better. God, if you would get one of those angels that I read about like two books earlier that just comes down and like Chuck Norris's great, great grandfather and they just kill everybody that would be awesome. You want me to build the wall? Kill all these people that are driving me nuts. Get rid of all my distractions so that I can come in and I can stay on and and do that. And Nehemiah doesn't do that. And he reveals such a beautiful point of his character. He prays for strength. You realize the second thing that we have to do to make this year just off the chart to, to go nuts with this, this 2016 thing. We've got to look at whatever it is and say, man, I can't come off the, w- the wall for you anymore because I'm doing a great work. And when we get weary and when we get tired, we've got to go to God and not say, God, remove me from this, but say, God, would you please make me strong? Give me the strength to walk through whatever this is. If you've put me on the wall at this time, and this is my spot in life, and to be on this wall, to build this wall, to do whatever this is, this is my something, then God, make me strong enough that I can do that in a way that honors you. Make me strong. You realize what happens when we pray this way. We remain weak in a situation that's overpowering and a strong God gives us power and his name is glorified and people recognize that it's not us and we draw attention not to us but to a God that's bigger than us. And when you stay on the wall and when you hold your spot, you hold your spot in line, people beside you get courage from you. And the person beside you then gets gets a little amped up because they see you and they see like, man, they could give up, but they don't. They're still going and they get courage from it and they get strength. And that goes on to the next person. The next person, before you know it, you've got a, a huge wall full of people that are fired up and the world around them still stinks, but they're going crazy because they're praying for prayer and they're looking at distractions going, I'm not stopping for you. I, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And it's, it's with us praying for power, man, praying for strength, praying for God to do something in those situations. You get that this is the the time now where, um, where I shut this and I, I put it back there, which is a good sign for you because that means I'm done. Um, and, and the band comes out and we play and, and we sing and then you guys leave. And, and you understand something. When we walk out those doors nothing out there has changed. Nothing. You walk out those doors right along with me and everything out there is exactly the same way it was when you walked in this room. You have the same bills, the same obligations, the same people pulling at you from every direction. You have the same relationships. You have the same everything out there that you had when you came in this room. The only thing that can change in this moment isn't out there because if you read the book of Nehemiah, there is not one miracle mentioned in this whole process of rebuilding the wall. Not one. The miracle isn't God changing what's out there. The miracle is God changing what's in here and it starts right here. The miracle is God changing this. It's changing how we think. It's giving us the mindset of, of man, I don't care what you are because I'm not coming off the wall for you because I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. And when we get tired, it's the mindset of going to God and saying, man, God, I need your strength because I can't do this. I'm weak. And maybe it even means that some of you have to go to somebody else and ask for help. Maybe there's something that's so strong. Maybe it is an addiction. And maybe it's too big for you and you can't beat it on your own. And maybe you need somebody working along, alongside you on the wall that when times get tough that you can go to them and say something like, man, you know what, man, I'm trying to step off the wall. Could you help me? Could you give me, man, pray for strength, be with me, give me some, some type of accountability, help me in this. And you've got someone to, to carry you when, when things get rough. I just know this I know as a family and I know with purple chairs we're we're building a wall right now I don't know if you see the connection in this we're building a wall not so that Jerusalem can be beautiful and can be big but so that more people can hear about Jesus because I don't know if you saw this in your weekly but close to a thousand people met Jesus last year in Cornerstone close to a thousand that's incredible that is amazing that is so sad There are tens of thousands of people within a five mile radius of this building that still don't know Jesus. And if something were to happen to them today, they would be separated from him from eternity. We aren't done. That's incredible. Please celebrate that. And I'm not trying to downplay that and be Debbie Downer now and be like, oh, no, that's that's not what I'm doing. That's amazing for, for that. That's unheard of but there's still work to be done. There is still a wall to be built and there is still, man, we're doing a great work. We can't stop for whatever the naysayers, whatever the people who are pulling us saying that we're dumb, whatever, all the excuses, we can't stop for that because we're doing a great work and we can't come down. I I don't know what your something is, but I know this. I know that we serve a God that's big enough that he can give you strength to carry you through those moments. And I know that we serve a God that's strong enough that when we're weak, He shows up, and God does some crazy, crazy things. That's my prayer for 2016. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Jesus, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for this this story. God, I I thank you for the the fact that this guy did exactly what we can do. That he can. He can hear your voice and he can follow, and God he can be obedient and and he can fail and and he can fall down and he can get back up and he, we can do the exact same thing. God would you give us the same courage, the same mindset that Nehemiah had that whatever our wall is, man, whatever our something is for this new year, whatever this is, if it 's family if it 's friends, if it 's money if it, whatever addiction, God, whatever that is. Maybe it's a habit we need to start. Maybe it's spending time with you. God, whatever that is, would you give us the strength and the courage to look at all the excuses, to look at all the distractions, to look at all the things that are trying to pull us away and to God to speak with boldness and say, man, I'm doing a great work. God is doing something amazing. I can't stop and I'm not coming down. And Jesus, when the weight of that overpowers us, Would you give us the wisdom to look to you and and not ask for deliverance, God, but we would look to you for support. We would look to you for power, God. We would look to you for strength. And we would pray, God, would you please give us strength. My back is tired, my arms are sore, and I'm ready to come down because I'm sick of building a wall. God, would you give us the strength and the courage to stand on our post until we see you work and we finish the job that you put us here to do. So God, whatever that is, Give us the wisdom to say no to our distractions and to ask you for strength when we get weary. And Jesus, we ask you to do this because without you, it's totally pointless and could never happen. So Jesus, this is in your name that we pray, amen.